0: This is The Non-Microwave Truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. A couple of weeks ago, did an episode with the lead speaker of Time of Grace, Pastor Mike Novotny, who's dropping a book, and the title of that book is What's Big? Start Small. And I looked, and I saw that book is on Amazon, but it's also on Barnes & Noble, or at least it's on their website, and that's something that you should check out. Now, if you're like, what is the book about? Well, you need to go and... Look at the episode titled What's Big, Start Small, where I ask him a bunch of questions on his book. And Pastor Mike, when I go get my copy, I'm expecting to have you autograph, sign it. And if not, we're going to have a problem. I'm just kidding. Well, not really. But enough of that. Summertime is here, baby. And with me being an education, I always remind my students like you think Y'all like summertime the best. No, teachers, people in education, people who have to deal with your little attitudes and your hormones. We enjoy and need summer vacation more than anyone else. So I'm excited for summer. I am truly excited for summer. And this got me thinking about Jesus. How would Jesus want to spend his summer? And this leads us into our first world problem question today. What? Do you think Jesus's favorite summertime activity when there, there's good weather? What do you think his favorite summertime activity was? And I started thinking about it. I said, maybe it was like fishing or a fish fry. Maybe they didn't do a fish fry. They did a fish bake. Because remember when he met the disciples, they made a fire, ate the fish or feeding the 5,000 or the other time where he fed a whole bunch of people with fish. Like maybe that was one of his favorite activities. I bet you fishing with Jesus was kind of annoying, too, because it's like he didn't even put in that much work he just wake up from a nap and be like, uh, hey, throw the nets over there. And all of a sudden they catch fish and they're like, this Jesus, man, I've been fishing all day. and I ain't catch nothing. And then he jokingly tell me to throw the line over there, throw the net over there. And I caught all these fish. Yeah, he'd probably be annoying in that way. But maybe that was one of his favorite activities. You know, take a nap, wake up, catch some fish or just being a part of the trash talking that goes along or the good conversation that goes along. When you fish, you got time to talk. You definitely have some time to talk when you are fishing. Or I thought about maybe his favorite activity was like building stuff and, and carpentry type work because he was a carpenter. And I know he had to be a beast with his hands. And then I was like, well, maybe he just liked to hike and enjoy nature. And then I got to think, well, maybe he just would want to be in nature to pray and to meditate and to just chill and just to sit there and breathe and take in fresh, clean oxygen. And then I started thinking he probably was the type of dude that would grab a book. A glass of wine and read a book outside and that book probably being the bible the best book the good book but i don't know first word problem question today is what do you think jesus favorite summertime activity was and remember there is no right or wrong to this well i guess there definitely could be a wrong but there could be multiple rights or i should say this is not something that's biblical or in the bible or has a definite answer and has any dealing with our Eternal salvation But I would love to hear from you Instagram or Twitter My handle is ChampionLife23 And our first word problem question is What do you think Jesus' favorite Summertime activity was? And this is our first word problem It is Dinner time right the, right the, the title of our episode today is Maximize Summer being in wisconsin when summer comes we do not know how to act usually we used to zero degree weather snow crazy weather sometimes we have snow like in april or may like we could have an 80 degree day and in the next week it literally could snow so now when it's officially summer woo, woo, we out here and maybe that's just a midwest thing because i know we got anybody listening from California, they're probably like, it's too hot. Or Texas, they're probably sick of it and saying, uh-uh, I need to go in the house and get the air conditioned. But not us Midwestern folks. But that's going to be our focus today. How do we make the most of this season? How do we make the most of our summer? And I just want you to start thinking about right away, like, what are you even looking forward to most in the summer? Are you looking forward most to, to barbecues? we got the 4th of July coming up, eating good. I know my wife and I and some of my friends, we love the fact that we can go out to a nice restaurant and sit on the patio and and be outside and eat good and try different restaurants. I know some people are thinking, you know what? I just want to be on a beach and have some drinks and tan and chill out. And then some people are like, I just want to enjoy the nature. I want to actually be able to hike and do stuff and play different games and play different sports that can be outside and not in the building. And some of y'all are a little weird. You love to do yard work. That's not something I look forward to at all because I'd rather be lazy. I'm not even going to lie to you. But, like, that's something my mom says, too. Like, I'm going to bring you some flowers over. Like, no, that's more work. That's more maintenance. Don't want it. Don't need it. Don't need more work. No, no, thank you, babe. I will pass on that heavy. But something I know that a lot of you will not pass on and you actually enjoy are different festivals and fairs and parades And concerts. And I think a lot of us look at summer as a time and opportunity to create memories, not just for ourselves, but for those that we come in contact with, especially our friends and family. Now, I want you just to think about this. When it comes to you maximizing summer and making the most out of your summer, I want you to think do you try to make the most out of your summer just like people of this world try to maximize summer? And the first thing I want you to think about is like, when you travel, when you take a vacation, does that mean you're taking a vacation from God's word and from God's truths and from God's principles? And are you living just like the rest of the world when you do things like go out to to party or to eat and drink? Are you looking just like the world where like you drunk as a skunk or high as a kite and you get in the habit of eating way too much? Like, slow down, big fella. You ain't trying to be a big fella. Or somebody says something crazy to you and before you know it, you just cuss them clean out because they had you messed up. Yeah, sure. But you look just like the world then. But it was on social media. So does that count? And I don't even know that person. Yes, that counts. And then something that I see with a lot of us for summer is like summer is all about me. Summer is all about me, myself and I. Summer is about me Doing what's best for me. And usually when people say that they have this mindset, they're talking about doing what's best or giving into the desires of their flesh. And actually, this was a message that I shared before and I thought was worth sharing again, especially when we look at this from a Christian perspective. And we compare this to the culture's truth and culture's perspective. Like, how do we make the most out of our summer as a Christian man or a Christian woman? And that's why the title of this episode is maximize summer the first way and this is going to sound weird and i'm gonna give you some bible passage to go along with this but the first way that we make the most out of our summer the first way we maximize summer is to be like an ant and i'll definitely break that down later the second way is to store up and to treasure the right things in our mental and spiritual capacities and then the last thing the third thing we'll talk about today is like You don't want to get caught up. I don't want to get caught up on sleeping on the wrong things. Now, let's get into it. The first way, being like an ant, we have to look at one of the wisest people to ever do it. And that's King Solomon. And in Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8, he talks about this ant philosophy or working like an ant. And the passage from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 8 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. A sluggard is a lazy person. And it says, consider his ways and be wise it has no commander no overseer or ruler yet it stores its provisions in the summer and it gathers its food at harvest and the first thing i want you just to think about and realize is that we were all designed like the ant to work to serve and when you think about that passage it said it has no commander the ant has no commander or overseer or ruler and that's that's a great concept for us to to think about because how many of us take pride in working and getting paid to do nothing like if our boss is not looking over our shoulder our manager no supervisor is there a lot of us would try to coast and just get through it the American way is to work as little as possible and get paid the most I mean isn't that our philosophy and I just think about we forget at times that we were even designed to work like Adam and Eve were designed to work even when the earth was perfect Adam was going to work But a lot of us want to get to this retirement age and be like, I don't want to work anymore. I was talking to a young cat the other day and I said, Hey, what you want to do in five years? He's like, I don't want to work. I was like, what? What do you want to do? I want to have people work for me. I'm like, how? Like, how is this going to happen? You don't have a job right now. But that's the philosophy that we are. We are adapting to and may not even realize that we are. And that's the thing about work. We often look at work as some treacherous, horrible, hell sent thing. When really, it's an opportunity to serve. It's a chance to use the gifts and talents that God has given us. It's a chance to be a good steward with what we have. So I might say work or use the word work a lot, but I'm really talking about the word serve. And the last thing that I want to point out like an ant and why we want to be like an ant is the ant works hard when the work is there to be done. And as Christians, we know that God puts in place works for us to do. We don't have to do good works, but he puts them in place for us to bless others, to serve him, to even bless ourselves. And when it's a harvest, that's the time. A week or two from now, a month later, it's not going to be there anymore. And that's how we miss out on blessings. That's how we miss out on other ways to bless people. That's how we miss out on being obedient to God at times and living that righteous life. And I definitely don't want to try to make this seem like some type of prosperity message that I'm giving you. Like, if you do right by the Lord, you're going to get blessed with a million dollars. No, but sometimes when you do right and you do when you're what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do, you just don't have a headache. Or because you did what you were supposed to do when you were supposed to do it, you might have had some pain and some struggle with it. But you actually grew and were able to take some steps forward. And this kind of leads us into our next point that still is talking about the ant. But our second point being store up and treasure the right things. We're going to look at Proverbs 30 verse 25. And that says ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Now, when you think about that, ants are one of the most laborious insects of all the insect kingdom, like hard work and dedication. Hard work and dedication can beat someone who's super, super talented and happens to be lazy. If you have hard work and dedication, and if you, let's say you do actually have some talent, all of a sudden that hard work and dedication can make that talent go to the next level. And if you know anything about ants, ants are actually like 20 times the strength. They can lift like 20 times the strength of their body, how much they weigh. And for us humans at times, we start thinking that we're really, really strong. But if you compare the ant to an elephant or even to a human, An ant could accidentally die because it accidentally got stepped on by a different creature. So in the grand scheme of things, when you compare us to God, it's incomparable. Like God is so much more powerful than us. Like I wouldn't be able to walk. I wouldn't be able to talk. I wouldn't be able to do a single thing if he did not allow it to happen because he literally with the snap of a finger. And that's even disrespectful. Like God doesn't even have to snap a finger. He can just think about it. And the whole world could be boom, done. But let's look at that second part in Proverbs thirty twenty five. It says, yet they store up their food in the summer. So ants are always preparing for the winter. We should be preparing for eternal life. But a, t- a lot of times we get caught up and enamored with the things of this world, like we're going to be on this earth forever. But really, we're going to be on this for like a super, super, super small point zero 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 one fraction of our lives. And when we get consumed with this world, we start thinking about all of the people that we think have wronged us. Notice that I said think have wronged us because most of the time the people that we think have wronged us really haven't wronged us. We might have just wronged ourselves or it just wasn't wrong at all. It just didn't work out. And now we don't like this person for no reason. And how many times do you or I let's say they're bricks? How many times do you or I hold on to the bricks and the transgressions from other people of times we think that they have wronged us instead of letting it go? And forgiving him. and because we're carrying all these bricks of all these people that have wronged us, and this is what happens when we don't forgive, we can't all of a sudden pick up and see the, the blessings that God has in store for us or the new opportunities that he wants us to take because we're lugging around all these bricks of revenge and of hate. And man, that's a heavy burden. That's a heavy pill to swallow and to keep carrying. And I don't think that's the case for a lot of people, but I know it's the case for some people. But something that I think does affect us or influences more than I think we realize is like, what do we allow ourselves to see? Like, man, I don't even like watching the news. Every time I look, it's like a shooting or somebody dying or someone just doing something that's evil. And I do think we have to be aware of the things that are happening in our world and in our community. But at the same time, you have to understand how is that stuff influencing you or, uh, or affecting you? If all of a sudden you're starting to store up disappointment or anger or or anxiety or sadness or frustration and these emotions are starting to be the fuel in how you operate each and every day, like, you not you're not storing up the right things and I'm not storing up the right things. And at times, I think all of us are guilty of storing up the sins and the things that we have done that go against God because we start to believe that our identity gets wrapped up in that sin when really our identity should be wrapped up in Christ. And another thing that's really big about sin is if you see sin in someone else, you start to store up, especially if it's prevalent and it's normalized, you start to think like, oh, that's okay, or that's not really a sin. And I don't want anyone who sees me or the surrounding that I'm allowing myself to be in, I don't want to store up things from other people and start to think that that sin is okay, or that sin is normal. And what I mean by that is something like this. If my nephews are around people all the time that are drunk, all of a sudden they're going to start to think that being drunk is okay. These people act a fool. That's just normal. That's how life is. And then at the same time, I don't want them storing up their, there goes uncle Cl. He's always drunk. So it's a twofold message. One being be careful of the things that you are allowing yourself to see because you're automatically going to store up things from that. And then the second thing is make sure that you are being a vessel Or a light for Christ that allows when people to see you, they can store up something that's positive and reflects Christ's love, reflects Christ's light. And what happens as Christians is we think that that means you can't have any fun or you can't do anything. No, it just means like just be normal and don't be crazy. Because like I have a vivid memory of someone in my church where I have a positive memory of him. And check this out. This is what the memory is. My brother and I were at church. I don't know. We were doing something. My dad was there too. And I don't know if my brother and the the church member, they kind of got to joking around or talking about who was faster. And he's like, I could beat you in a race. And my brother probably like 12 years old at the time, maybe 11. And this church member, he's not some spring chicken. He's maybe in his, I'm going to say 50. And he's like, I'll race you. And mind you, I'm 34 years old. I'm not racing a lot of people and I'm definitely not racing someone if I didn't get warmed up. And that's what makes me have even more respect for him today. I don't think he warmed up. I don't think he stretched. I think he just got on the line was on your marks, get set, go. And when he took off, they both took off. The race was legit. The race was good. And it came down to the very end and he might've just hit the sidewalk because you know it's unleveled at times. And he went rolling. And what impressed me is he didn't get up cussing, or fussing at all, he got up with a smile on his face, we laughed about it, and I just really was like, man, he was a beast, he had to be fast back in the day to like, because this was a good race, if he would have been racing the average kid, he would have won, but he didn't know he was racing the white side, but that was something that I just stored up in my, my mind, or stored up, because here is a, a church member showing competitive love, being a vessel for Christ, being a, a vessel of light, and then it didn't go exactly how he wanted it to go, but he still responded in a, in a Christian manner. And I saw him the other month and all we did was kind of laugh and joke about it. And this is something that happened 20 years ago. Like that's the type of creating memory that I'm talking about and storing up the proper things. And as Christians, something we should always, always, always be storing up and reflecting on each and every day is the fact that. God has given us grace. God's mercy is abundant. His love for us is unconditional. It doesn't stop. It's overflowing despite the things that we have done or haven't done. And I think what makes it a lot easier to store up the right things or to treasure the right things is one, getting in the Bible, getting in God's word. You can store up more when you get into the word, because all of a sudden you can store up his truths, You can store up his principles. You can store up those experiences that he's given you. And then another thing is actually having some type of community to support you. Rather it's a church rather is small groups rather it's something that is focusing on Christ and being very intentional on being closer to Christ. That allows you to store up the things that you need to store up each and every day. Now, Our third point on this episode of Maximize Summer is don't sleep on the wrong things. We're going to look at Proverbs 10 verse five for this one. And it says he who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. But sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. And the first thing I want to point out is that word prudent. A prudent son, a prudent son is a wise son who shows their wisdom by by working hard and understanding there is something bigger. There is something coming. There is a future. And the next thing I want to highlight is a harvest. And I don't want us to think about a harvest just in our in terms of our own personal selves, but just think about a harvest from a spiritual sense and a spiritual spiritual sense, meaning there are so many souls that need to be brought to repentance and faith. And one of the reasons I do love summer is I I love to sleep. I can literally sleep nine to 10 hours. But I think there's something for all Christians to realize, especially in the summer, is that we don't want to become spiritually sleep. And the big time dangers about our culture and our society and in the summer especially is we chase comfort in the summer. And when you get too comfortable, you can become spiritually sleep. Comfortable where you start to think this world is your home and your main destination to the point that you want to be so comfortable that you ignore the work and the opportunities to get uncomfortable, to get uncomfortable for God. And us church going, folks. And us good people. I say good with air quotes. We can get too comfortable in this whole religious thing and we start thinking too highly of ourselves at times. And the thing about being too comfortable, there's an acronym for sleep that I'm going to give you. The S would stand for If we are sinning willfully, that means if we sin and make excuses and we do it all the time and really we're living in sin, we're probably asleep. The L stands for a lack of love. And that means when we get to the point where we're just like, man, I'm sick of life. I'm sick of people. We might even say I'm sick of God because God's not blessing me in the way that I want. The E, the E stands for empowered by the flesh, meaning we want to operate off of our emotions like someone can get you to go there. Or if your flesh desires it, you, you're you all for it. The other E stands for entangled, entangled with the affairs of this life, meaning our greatest concern is not eternal life, but it's actually this life. And that's part of the reason why we're like, well, I can't give my money to this or I can't give my time to that. Or, you know what? I got to make sure I have these new pair of shoes or I got to make sure that I have this type of status. And the P stands for prayer. Do you live a prayerless life? Is prayer a steering wheel or is it a spare tire? And if you don't get that, that means do you pray all the time? It says in the Bible to pray without ceasing. Or are you like, you know, I pray when something really, really bad happens or I really, really need God. And praying and being in connection with God all the time doesn't necessarily mean you're walking around with your hands folded. I pray to Jesus. Help Heavenly Father, help me. Help me. No, it's more so. Any type of thing that you encounter, you're running it past God. We have so many conversations in our head. I know some of y'all talk out loud to yourselves. That's okay. But it's being in connection with him. And I do want to say it is, I do think it is very important to actually take some time out of your day to have a direct conversation, what you would call a prayer to God. And that acronym SLEEP, I don't know where I found it out, but I thought that was a dope concept. A very good acronym for us to think about, you know, sinning willfully, lack of love, empowered by the flesh, entangled with the affairs of this life, and living a prayerless life. Now, on the opposite end, and this is how I want to close out, I want us to think about the most prudent son to ever exist, which is Jesus. And Jesus was always woke. I'm not talking about that type of crazy work, but Jesus was awake spiritually. When we talk about sinning willfully, Jesus never sinned. When we talk about having a lack of love, Jesus did the exact opposite. He could be tired as ever, but it says that he had compassion on the crowd and he would still show love to people. When we talk about being empowered by the flesh, we can be empowered by the spirit of God. And that's something that we see that Jesus used when his human flesh was kicking in and was like, you know what, I don't really wanna die and go through all that pain. But then he was like, man, I will do the will of the father. And entangled by the affairs of this life, Jesus was never entangled with trying to be some type of king or some type of person with a bunch of status and a bunch of likes. He was about the truth. He was about his father's business. He was about paying the eternal debt that all of us needed to get bailed out on. And his prayer life was what we should model. He's perfect. He prayed all the time. He made time to meditate. He made time to talk to the Heavenly Father. We struggle to make time to say a two-minute prayer each day. He would wake up early, tired or not, and go pray. And that is how we maximize our summer, people. Work like an ant. Store up the right things. Don't sleep, but be awake and choose to have a great summer. Choose to maximize your summer because of the most and best prudent son. Jesus wants to work through you and me. During this summer harvest. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Maximize Summer. I hope you're having a blessed summer. And peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.